Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. We did look in this study at different asset allocations and found that the highest safe withdrawal rates came from portfolios that had between 30 and 60% allocation to equities. And if we look historically, we can see that retirees have always been served well by owning as many equities as possible. But once again, we're worried about that downside risk and that volatility that comes from growth assets like shares. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello, and joining me today from Morningstar Australia are Shani Jayamana and Mark LaMonica. Hi, Mark and Shani. Hi, Phil. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, it's great to chat with you again. So tell us about you guys, what your roles are, and uh, perhaps a little bit about the podcast that uh, you run as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can start, Shani. So... Yeah, my name is Mark Lamonic. I look after our individual investor business here in Australia. So we do a couple different things. We have a lot of free resources available to help investors. So as you mentioned, we do a podcast called Investing Compass. We also have a number of webinars that we run. And then we also have a paid product called Morningstar Investor, which gives you access to all of the research that's put out by our analysts on shares and ETFs and funds. And my name is Shani Jayamana. I'm a senior investment specialist for Mark's team, which is the individual investor side of the business for Morningstar Australia. And I basically just work on all of the things that Mark just mentioned. So all of the content that we produce and, and help out with making the information a lot more accessible for individual investors. So Morningstar is very well known for its research. And uh, the research we're going to be talking about today is the 4% rule for retirees. So... What is the 4% rule and why are we talking about it? Yes, I can start off. So the 4% rule is the basis of the retirement plans for across the world, basically. And it has been called the safe withdrawal rate from your portfolio. And it originated from a financial advisor in the US whose name is Bill Benkin. And what he wanted to do was understand how much his clients could take out of their retirement portfolios without running out of money. And one of the the issues facing all retirees is, of course, that you don't know exactly when your retirement's going to end. And so one of the problems is that you are confronted with a sequencing of return risk. So basically, meaning that as you retire, if there are poor market returns, that can really impact the retirement outcomes you have. So when markets are falling, obviously, taking money out of your account to pay for your expenses means that you have less money in there hopefully when the market recovers, to actually compound and grow. So it makes it very, very difficult to make up for these poor returns you receive early in retirement. Mm. And so Bill knew this risk and he looked at historical returns and what withdrawal rate would be safe to use at any point. So there were pretty heavy sustained falls in the 30s and 40s and the 70s as well. The market fell 37% between 73 and 74. So he looked at what would happen if someone retired every year since 1926 and what the outcome would be based on different withdrawal rates, which is the money that's drawn from retirement accounts. 
Yeah, and maybe we should just say one thing about that, Shani. So, you know, some of the assumptions that went into this was number one, that retirees would have a fixed real withdrawal rate. So basically what that means is once you start retirement, that 4% that you're taking out, so you would maintain that throughout retirement and it would be a real withdrawal rate, meaning we would account for inflation. So you'd be increasing that every year by inflation. The other things he looked at is, of course, asset allocation. So he was looking at a portfolio, 50% bonds, 50% shares. And ultimately, what he found out is that 4% under any of these historical market conditions would last for 30 years. So there's no period in the history of the stock market that he was looking at where you would run out of money in less than 30 years. And obviously, this withdrawal rate matters when you're setting goals for retirement. Yeah, I mean, just the math of it, right, Shani, is that just to calculate how much you would need in your portfolio is you simply divide the amount of money you would like per year by this withdrawal rate. So $100,000 divided by 4%, that gives you $2.5 million. So that's what you would need to have. And, and this is pretty important, I think, because a lot of people have a hard time picturing what a lump sum actually means in retirement. And it's much easier for them to think about salary at the end of the day, because that's how you know we spend our working years. So it's easier to think about how much money you need per year. When did he uh, do this research? What year was this? So he did it in the early 90s. So basically what he was doing is he was looking back on returns between 1926 and 1992. And I think he published it around 1994. So presumably then that um, if this rule was put into place the day before the 87 crash, for example, it still works. Yes. So he was looking at all of those different retirement scenarios. So basically, when we're talking about retirement and the sequencing of returns, it's really, at the end of the day, it's bad luck. And so it's the bad luck of retiring in a bear market at the end of the day. So when he was doing all of this, it was looking at if you took all of the different sequencing of returns between 26 and 1992 and basically put them in the order that you would get all the bad returns that occurred in a row early in your retirement, what would be the impact? Mm. That's interesting because you hear stories about people who do retire and uh, then they can't relax. They're suddenly they're, they can't go onto the <laughs> golf course and, and feel reassured. But this surely this kind of research does reassure investors even when they can see their, their returns plummeting by the day. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's what it's meant to do. I think, you know, the problem that we'll talk a little bit about when we get into some of the Morningstar research is, of course, this is historic returns. So it's historical data, isn't it? Yeah, we need to be careful that obviously, sometimes over long periods of history, that's a good thing to look at in order to try to figure out what might happen in the future, but anything can happen. So that's the problem. So since he formulated that rule, we're obviously in a very different environment. How's things changed? Yeah, and that's really the basis for this report that Shani and I will talk about today and the research that Morningstar did. And, you know, what we wanted to do as a company is we wanted to take this really great foundation for retirement planning, but look at the current conditions and sort of project forward what we think is going to happen because we think that would be more useful. Yeah, exactly, Mark. And we're in a very different environment to what we've historically seen. First, bond yields are low, as low as they've been in throughout the past 70 years. And second is that stock valuations are high, practically one of the highest points that they've been through the past 70 years. And third, inflation is low and it's rising and has increased. But over the past several years, it has been as low as it has been in the last 70 years. 
Yeah, and if we think about those factors, right, Chani, so two out of those three factors, so low bond yields, high stock valuations, so those would lead to less future returns, which would reduce expected withdrawal rates. And if we think about this logically, right, so we can't rely on the same yield and growth that we've had historically based on where we are now. Exactly. And low inflation is obviously the silver lining. It does help with improving the amount that you would have to save to keep up with cost of living. As long as it stays low, right, Shani? Exactly. (laughs) No promises. It's interesting that you mentioned bonds, because I think that's another percentage rule, wasn't it? The old 60-40, 40% in bonds just to even out um, things. This has changed that sort of calculation as well? Yeah. So I think if we go back, you know, as I said earlier, you know, he was looking at a 50% allocation to bonds. Now, you know, I think a lot of investors would look at that right now and probably say that's crazy, just given the level of interest rates that we have. But, you know, that's the allocation he's looking at. But we have to think about what happens as we increase our allocation to shares. So sequencing risk. So once again, this possibility or the bad luck of having poor returns early in retirement, really what that is, is that's volatility. So the more volatility you have in your portfolio, the more your portfolio could potentially bounce around, the more sequencing risk there is. So we do have to be careful that, you know, even as many people have invested a lot more in equities, that sets them up to, of course, have even worse outcomes if the market goes down significantly because they don't have that bond buffer. And so Morningstar has remixed and revised the 4% rule. What does this mean for investors? Yeah, I mean, I'll give the headline, Shani, and then you can go through the details. (laughs) But, you know, basically, when we looked at forward returns, we thought that 3.3% a year is more appropriate for a balanced portfolio instead of that 4% that Bill Bengen had. Mm -hmm. And we do have to say that the assumptions in this study are quite conservative, but this reduction in the safe withdrawal rate takes into account the expected returns, which we spoke about, which are low, and the outlook for fixed income and equities. And in this study, we project future results. And there were data limitations back in 1992 uh, for Bill Bengen. Those have been eliminated unlike his studies, he only used US equity portfolios. This study includes global securities as well as separate estimates for growth and value style. So it's a bit more representative of a modern portfolio. Yeah. And I think as Shani was saying, you know, and as we were talking about earlier, we did look at different combinations of asset classes. So as you were saying, Phil, you know, what happens if it's not 50-50? And so we have all of that information in the report where it's looking at basically different allocations between shares and bonds. And of course, the other asset classes Shani was talking about. And basically, you know, what it talks about is sort of the impact of volatility as you have more growth assets like shares. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's go into a bit more depth about the implications of the forward estimated returns in this report. 
Yeah, so I can start off, Mark. So the projected safe withdrawal rates are well before what we've seen historically with those projections that Mark was talking about that we ran. And we said our new projection has a peak withdrawal rate of 3.3% for a 50-50 portfolio over a 30-year time horizon. But assuming our projections that both stock and bond returns will be lower than they have been in the past is correct. Newly minted retirees, they really just can't afford to safely withdraw 4% of their initial portfolio balance each year while adjusting for the effect of Inflation. Yeah, and and I think Shani, before everyone you know runs out and freaks out that they need more money for retirement, we do need to talk about a couple of the rules that are involved in this study. So it's obviously very difficult to do a study like this that is supposed to apply to everybody because ultimately it applies to nobody, right? These different rules. So we should talk about some of the caveats in here. So. The question for any investor, of course, is which apply to you and which do not. So the first one is a 30-year time horizon with the assumption that annual withdrawals will just simply adjust for inflation. But in reality, retirees could have a longer or shorter time horizon than that 30 years, of course, and also that everyone has different spending patterns. And so maybe, depending upon where inflation is, you don't actually have to keep up with it. So yeah. Those are a couple caveats. And just think about life expectancy as well. So right now, if we look at the average life expectancy of a 60-year-old in Australia, it's 23.5 years. Now, that will probably increase over time. But once again, that is less than the 30 years, the conservative estimate that was put into the study. Mm. And I think it's important to call out that the study also classifies success as surviving 90% of simulation trials. And because of this, high withdrawal rates don't necessarily fail. So if we had a 4% withdrawal rate going forward, it would also succeed in the majority of simulations. But I think what retirees have to consider is how certain they want to be about whether they'll have enough money for the rest of their retirement. And of course, nothing is a certainty, but reducing the withdrawal rate because of expected returns will increase the chances of your retirement savings lasting. As I said, we did look in this study at different asset allocations and found that the highest safe withdrawal rates came from portfolios that had between 30 and 60% allocation to equities. And if we look historically, we can see that retirees have always been served well by owning as many equities as possible. But once again, we're worried about that downside risk and that volatility that comes from growth assets like shares. Mm, exactly. So when equities post gains that exceed 10% annually, their returns overcome their extra risks, which makes them attractive. But what we're seeing is an annual average of 8% from a 100% stock portfolio. And that's when the reward is just not worth the volatility and the portfolio suddenly becomes dangerous for a retiree. And this is basically sequencing risks. So if you have the misfortune to retire and markets immediately drop, then your higher allocation to equities will significantly increase the chance of you running out of money. So if markets don't drop, then the higher returns from equities will serve you well, but there's always that chance. And presumably, um, Morningstar these days has got a lot more computer firepower than Bill Bingham <laughs> did <laughs> in those days. I mean, he would have had a spreadsheet, I guess a basic spreadsheet in those days. I think so. Maybe a notepad and pen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the difference, like what I would say is, you know, what we are doing is, you know, we, of course, are simulating forward returns, right? So yeah, in a spreadsheet, it's pretty easy to sit there at the end of the day and look at past returns, but we're simulating forward returns and we're using things like, as we said before, the valuation level of equities right now and low interest rates. And, you know, when Shani just quoted before that 8% return on 100% 
stock portfolio. That's below what we've gotten in the past. But, you know, at this point where the market is, we just don't see returns equaling what they have been in the past. So what flavor of equities are we talking about here? Are we talking about uh, global equities or just the ASX? What's going to provide these kind of returns for retirees? So I think as Shani mentioned earlier, originally, the only thing that Bill Bengen was looking at was looking at U.S. equity returns and then U.S. fixed interest returns. So as she mentioned, this is a global portfolio. So, you know, it has expanded outside of the U.S., which I think is good. What I would say is overall, if you look at Australia's allocation, if we look at any of the global indexes, Australia is a very, very small part of it. So we're really only talking to two and a half percent in a globally diversified portfolio. So most Australians, and I think nobody would recommend an Australian, would only have two and a half percent invested in Aussie markets. So most Australians would have more of an allocation to domestic equities here. The one thing I will say is that if you look back at historic returns and you looked at how markets have done, the U.S. market has done very, very well and much better than pretty much every global market since the GFC. Now, what that means is the valuation levels are higher. And if you look at the expected returns we have, the U.S. returns are actually below what we'd expect from global markets. So that is something that would be a little bit different if you had a large allocation to Aussie equities. What kind of steps can retirees take based on the state of retirement income report? I think after looking at the state of the market, it's clear that the low return environment requires investors to create a little bit of wiggle room. We can't just keep going on like we are in most cases expecting the same returns that we've been pretty lucky to get. But I think there are some practical approaches, right, Shani, that people can take. And this is, once again, it goes back to these caveats that are in this report. And so, you know, number one, We are putting a very, very high probability of success, right, in this simulation, meaning that most people, like the problem, of course, with retirement planning is you don't know when you're going to die. And if you run out of money before you die, that is a big deal. So we are being very conservative. There's a lot of things that people can do to adjust the withdrawals that they take to make this actually have a higher withdrawal rate. So the number one thing is, is a flexible withdrawal strategy. So remember, we said that this was a fixed withdrawal strategy. We're taking the same amount of money out, adjusted for inflation every year. Well, retirees can simply adjust it depending upon how the market goes. Now, for many people, they may not want to do that. You may not want to sit there and say the market went down. So all of a sudden, I have to not go on that trip next year. But that is a possibility. So as markets go down, you adjust your withdrawal down as well. And that can stop you from running out of money. And I think it's quite a common objection that we receive to flexible withdrawal strategies um, is that there is mandated withdrawals from account-based pensions and super. We do realize this, but it's also just up to you how much of that withdrawal is actually spent. So we won't go into the depth of flexible withdrawal strategies that are they're pretty comprehensively covered in the report, but we can just go through a couple of them high level. And one of the methods is foregoing inflation. And this method just involves foregoing those upward adjustments following years in which the portfolio has declined in value. It just leaves you some room if you're still continuing to pull out 4% as the original strategy was based on inflation adjusted withdrawals. Yeah, and then there's the guardrails method, Shani, right, where, you know, if the market goes up, you can increase your withdrawals, but not by too much. If it goes down, you would decrease them, but not by too much. So you basically have, once again, those guardrails in place to try to govern how much money you have to actually live by. 
Yeah, and just maybe one more, so a 10% reduction following losses. So basically this just uses a fixed withdrawal system. So still adjusting for inflation, but in a year that you faced a loss in your portfolio, the withdrawals are adjusted down by 10% in the following year. So when the portfolio generates a positive return again, the withdrawals just go back to what they were. And so there are quite a few more of these strategies in the report, which also go through the success of each of these strategies with future expected returns. Where can investors go to find the report? Yeah, so we have it as part of Morningstar Investor, which is our subscription service. You can take out a free trial for it. So what we did do, and you know, as you mentioned, Phil, this is a report that came out of the US, came from our researchers in the US, and Shawnee actually took it and put an Australian spin on it. So talked about, obviously, as she just mentioned, superannuation, talked about the age pension, and talked about some of the different considerations a local retiree would have and how you can actually interpret the findings to hopefully have a better retirement. Tell us about the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are not sick of listening to Shani and I speak. <laughs> We're not at all. Okay, well, that is good. That is good then. We want plenty of more of you. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can tune into Investing Compass available on all the different podcast apps, probably the one that you're listening to this on right now. So uh, yeah, check out our podcast and let us know what you think. Yep, and we'll put a link to it as well in the episode notes in there as well. Shani Jayamana and Mark LaMonica, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Important. Please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education, and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. 